0: come back to Rotimi's testimony as I start to share the word Uh, but I just want to challenge somebody just before I go into the message this morning that you shouldn't stop praying in all of our services this month and even beyond we're going to spend spending some extra time praying like we did uh, for those of us who came in earlier you you participated in the prayers Uh, the last Sunday of the month we're going to be praying for people like we usually do every Sunday But we spent more time in congressional prayers uh, in the course of the month, praying for souls, praying for ourselves, praying for our nation, praying for our city. Some people have said, you know, even in the face of all the things happening in our nation, uh, that Nigerians just love to pray and we don't take action. And it's good that we take action because faith without works is dead. But I'm saying that that should not dissuade you. That should not become your excuse from becoming less prayerful. So take action. Do what you need to do. Like I was saying last Sunday, somebody's uh, um, doing something that can jeopardize another person's life. You know, uh, you know, say something about it. Correct something that's going wrong. Um, call somebody to account who needs to be you know, held up to accountability and all that. But we need to pray because prayer creates an effect that nothing else can create. Yeah, that's why we need to pray. Philippians 4 and verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. He said, let your request be made known unto God. And when you look at the next statement there, uh, uh, he said in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Before God moves over a situation, he wants to move over you. Yeah. He said, when you pray, The peace of God that surpasses all understanding guards your heart. Peace is positive emotion. The most important thing about any situation is that I have the right attitude towards it. Prayer gives me the right attitude towards what I'm going through. The right perspective towards what I'm going through. As a nation, we're going through a lot right now. And it's when we pray that we get the right perspective. A lot of people are living in fear right now. And some people are taking advantage of that fear. Yeah. But when you pray, in the midst of, you know, uncertainty, the peace of God guides your heart. You're able to move around, you're able to fulfill destiny, you're able to do the things that God wants you to do. That's the first effect of prayer. And we must not underestimate that. So when I pray, God wants to move over my heart, and then he moves over the situation. Because even when God is working on the situation and nothing is happening in me, I may not see what God is doing. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. And the situation may invariably not change. Because sometimes, nothing changes around you until you change. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So prayer has a lot to do about me more than the devil. Because a prayer against the devil is just one prayer. Resist the devil and shall flee from you. That's what the scripture says. And I want you to also check your heart this morning as we pray for people this morning, as we pray for our nation, pray for our city, and as you pray in your own personal closet to be sure that the greatest motivation for your prayer is not your enemy. And it's not the problem you are going through. The motivation for prayer is closeness to God and love for God. I was say in the last service, can you imagine if you're in a love relationship with someone, and the only time they want to talk to you is when they're in trouble? If you're dating a lady that calls you all the time and she's discussing one problem or the other, you will find a way to pack the relationship up. Yeah, am I saying the truth? So just say, this one, it doesn't, it's not looking like this is going to work for me. Yeah. Guys, can I get a witness? He madam you will now have to... Uh, this relationship may not be able to continue. That's the way God feels about some of us. Because every time you, you, you want to talk to him, it's about one problem or the other. What happens to, how are you doing? I really miss you. I love you. You know, some people are feeling me in that Oh. <laughs> praise god just saying it some people are feeling it and i'm not saying it to anybody <laughs> this is the only person i can say it yeah. praise god so you know some, some sometimes when you are not even romantic in real life you may not know how to love god too Because that's, that's how I catch myself sometimes. When I think about my, ro- my romance life, I say, ah, this thing. <laughs> you know, it's a, it can also affect how you love God and how you spend time with God. Some people are only motivated to pray by their enemies. You take If you get a, a breaking news on CNN after this service, the devil has died. Will you still pray? Breaking news, the devil just died. There's no more devil. Yeah. Will you still be praying? <laughs> Praise God. I want you to let me look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, love God. Love God. Seek him. Seek. Tell your neighbor, say, seek him. Seek. With your heart. God. Seek to know him. Seek. Seek to him. Seek to him. seek to love him. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're starting a new series of teachings this morning, which will tag Mission Possible. And I start with this first message that I've called Diplomatic Mission. We're emphasizing one of the major purposes for which God instituted his church and raised us up as his family, that we may bring more people to become a part of the kingdom. The Bible says that the glory of a king is in the multitude of his people. God, being the king of kings and the lord of lords, wants a large family, wants people to escape the wrath of hell and be a part of his family. And it's a major reason why God put a family together. All of us are saved to be a blessing, saved to serve God, saved to bring more people into the kingdom of God. And we need to have the right understanding to it. And as a church, we seek to brace ourselves up in this understanding from time to time so that we will not be found wanting. Praise God. I said, Praise God. Diplomatic mission. Who is a diplomat? What is a diplomatic mission? Who represents his country in another place and stands to you know, pursue the agenda of a foreign nation in the place where you have found yourself? That is a diplomat. That is somebody on a diplomatic mission. A diplomatic mission is a mission that seeks to enforce the foreign policy of another nation in the land where you have found yourself. So it's important for us to understand this, that God is counting on us as ambassadors of heaven. The Bible says that we are in the world, but we are not of this world. You know, it's possible for you to live in Lagos for so long, you forget the name of your village. Yeah. Or you struggle to remember where you're from. That's what is happening to some of us right now as Christians. We're so used to the world and the day-to-day living that we don't remind ourselves from time to time that we are in the world, but we are not of this world. Our citizenship is from heaven. Yeah, We are first and foremost children of God, members of his kingdom, subjects of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Who obey his biddings and who should carry on ourselves the responsibility of the kingdom. That's very important. And when you talk about a diplomatic mission, like I said, it has a lot to do with the foreign policy of the sending nation. When you understand the foreign policy of the nation that is sending you, it becomes the thing that shapes how you live your life in the nation that you have found yourself as a diplomat. So different nations have different kind of foreign policies. The foreign policy of the United States has a lot to do uh, with building a more democratic, secure, and prosperous place for all Americans and the rest of the people of the world. So they pursue the tenets of democracy. They're very focused on security. Perhaps the highest part of their budget goes in that direction, year in, year out. They want to create a prosperous place for every American and then the rest of us. The foreign policy of the United States also has a strong focus on non-proliferation of nuclear technology, that's why Trump has been head-to-head with the leader of North Korea. You know, during Obama time, Iran, they had a great uh, diplomatic head-to-head relationship with Iran, also based on non-proliferation of nuclear technology. That's what is driving them. That is, yeah. As a nation Nigeria, we also have our foreign policies. Yeah. Though many of you are not aware of it. If I the last service, when I said, Nigeria has a foreign policy, everybody, eh. And I was asking, why? Some people were laughing. I said, why are you laughing? Why, why must everything about Nigeria be funny? Praise God. I said, praise God. You know, the funny thing, the Nigerian foreign policy is even available as a PDF document that you can download and read. It gives. Because some people actually don't believe that we have one. That's why I'm saying this. Because we don't believe that we have anything. And it's, it's not a good thing. Somebody say, I believe in Nigeria. Not many people are saying it. Until you say it, I won't preach. One, two, let's go. One more time. It's a good thing to say Praise God. A gentleman by the name Jaja Washuko happened to be the first foreign uh, minister of foreign affairs for Nigeria after post independence And this, they worked on a very fantastic document that has been, you know, um, revised over the years. The trust of our foreign policy positions us as an African superpower and big brother. So the trust of our foreign policy uh, seeks to promote peace in Africa. That's why we spend a lot in promoting peace in different parts of Africa, uh, from Mm -hmm. Sierra Leone to Liberia and different places. Nigeria's foreign policy is from the standpoint of the fact that Nigeria is the big brother of Africa. And talking from a pastoral point of view, I think that's a good thing, that we believe that God can use Nigeria to be a blessing to the rest of Africa. Even if you start from there, it's good enough. <laughs> Praise God. I said, "Praise God. Obviously there are many things we need to get right about the foreign policy of our nation, but that's not the subject of this morning. The most important thing that I'm talking about this morning is that every nation has a foreign policy. Heaven also has a foreign policy. The kingdom of God has a foreign policy. Can we dig into it a little bit? Second Peter chapter three and verse number nine. Second Peter chapter three and verse number nine. The Bible says. That the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but it's, but it's long suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. The foreign policy of heaven the trust of it is in redemption salvation restoration of lives and destinies, reuniting people to God's plan and his original intention for their lives, making them a blessing to their world and a blessing to humanity. That's the foreign policy of heaven. Romans 10 and verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the foreign policy of heaven. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Where the refugee situation going on around the world today, you see the differences in foreign policies of different countries, and it affects also their refugee policy. We see it play out, where some countries in Europe will shut their borders when the migrant ship appears, while some other countries will say, come in this direction, come in this direction. The kingdom of God is open to everybody, and it's about restoration, it's about redemption, It's about the fact that Jesus paid the price, the ultimate price that nobody can pay. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And in the Old Testament, animals died. Something has to die before sin can be redeemed. So it was animals dying. The blood of bulls and animals covering sins. In the New Testament, Jesus submitted his life and he died. And the Bible calls him the high priest who died once and for all to redeem the world from our sins. So the price has been paid already. The foreign policy of heaven, therefore, has been shaped around the concept of salvation of souls. Souls, redemption, restoration. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12. Acts 4 and number 12. He says, Now is there salvation in any other? For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name given amongst men by which we must be saved. So salvation is for all. That's the foreign policy of heaven. It is for whoever From wherever who believes in the name of Jesus and accepts the gift of salvation. Yeah. Whoever, wherever who believes in the name of Jesus and accepts the gift of salvation. The foreign policy of heaven has it that everyone is a candidate for the love of God. Everyone is a candidate for the love of God. Everyone. Everyone. Can you hear me point at your neighbor and tell your neighbor you are a candidate? for the love of God. Say you are the object of his mercy. A candidate for his love. Say God loves you the way you are. And his heart is panting after you. Glory be to Jesus. I said glory be to Jesus. So when we talk about a diplomatic mission, which is what we're on, our eyes have to be open. Our heart must be alert. To recognize the purpose for which God is sending us. We must also see ourselves as ambassadors or diplomats. Ambassadors. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, down to 20, Paul was writing here to all of us, and this is what he has to say. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Can you help me look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I have the ministry of reconciliation? It's my responsibility to reconcile people with their God. Look at verse 19. So 18 hence by saying, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. Now then, we are what? Is Somebody here this morning, we are what? Ambassadors. Yeah. He said we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you in, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He said, We are ambassadors for Christ. He said, God, through us, wants to plead with people to be reconciled back to Christ. Somebody say it after me. Say, I'm an, I'm an ambassador. An ambassador of heaven. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Say, I know it. And I will live without understanding. Yeah? So you're an ambassador of heaven on earth today. Ambassadors cannot be anonymous. Yeah. Ambassadors cannot be anonymous. Many of us want to be anonymous ambassadors. That's where things are going wrong. So you've worked in this place for one year, for two years. Nobody knows you as an ambassador of Jesus. It's a problem. Something is wrong, something is missing. The ambassador communicates, presents, and defend the agenda of their home country. That's why they're there. We communicate, we stand to defend the agenda of our home country, we, 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 we carry the foreign policy of our nation on our head. It's a contradiction in terms, when you say somebody's an ambassador, but it's anonymous. Yeah. An ambassador represents... The kingdom from which he has come. You cannot be an anonymous ambassador. We live in a time and age where people are beginning to uh, declare that, you know, Christianity is a thing of the heart. Nothing can be further from the truth. The disciples of Jesus no not practice Christianity in their hearts. The Bible says they saw them, they took knowledge of them, that they have been with Jesus. Yeah. I think that's Acts uh, 4 and 13 or so. They, they, they knew that they had been with Jesus. You you can't be an ambassador of heaven and we cannot recognize that something has happened in your life. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Who have you been with? That's what we should see when you show up. You cannot be an anonymous ambassador. Something is wrong. Yeah, something is wrong if you're an anonymous ambassador. Your friends don't know you as a Christian. In your office, nobody knows that you are a Christian, that you are a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. They have made up their mind on who you are following. Am I saying the truth? Some people have different kind of impression about who you follow or who is your Lord and Savior. Because you are an anonymous ambassador. So you cannot be an anonymous ambassador. An ambassador communicates, represents, defends the agenda of their home country. Ambassadors are on assignment, and no matter how much they take in the local culture, they cannot become entangled at the expense of their assignment. That's a real ambassador. We participate in the culture, but we carry the agenda of heaven on our head. We carry it squarely and fully. People know who we are. People know who we are. That's how it should be. And One of the ways that that happens is that we are not silent when we see people wasting away. Let me go back to the testimony of our brother that we watched at the beginning of the service. Wrote me. His life took a trajectory that was going to waste that life. All of us have people around us who have embraced terrible habits. I mean, that man spoke about the fact that he started smoking at eight, 10 or 11. The first habit that he picked up was not the good one that could lead him in the right direction. And, plus that, obviously that, with that he attracted so many other habits into his life. Drinking will follow, excessive drinking and all kinds of things. Fornication will follow because some, some things invite themselves. Yeah. The moment you create the right and conducive atmosphere, they just show up. Yeah. And like that, with the, all the destructive habits, the next thing when you gather destructive habits into a person's life is that a person starts to make terrible decisions. That's the next thing that will follow. Yeah, that's the next thing that follows. You know, you can give any excuse for any habit. The only thing that you cannot legislate is that certain habits will go with certain kind of decisions. Yeah, you can't legislate that. They work hand in hand. Certain vices will invite other kind of vices. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. When I was growing up, my mom tells me, I mean, told me all the time, anybody that lies will steal. They work together. Am I saying the truth? Have you heard that before? And I've grown enough to recognize that she was absolutely right. both work hand, in hand. work hand in hand. Some things in life just work hand in hand. You cannot be playing with things that reduce your cognitive ability and ability for sound judgment, and you don't think that your decisions will always be accurate. One of these days, I will show you a chart on what 0.001% alcohol will do to you, what 0.003% will do to you, until 0.01. Do you know the human body, I think at the point of 0.01 or 0.1, can actually lose the complete control of all the organ in the body? There's a measure of alcohol that if you have it in your system, you can't survive it for more than 10 minutes. The sense is going to pack up. So from the mortal senses or what they call it and all that, it starts with small, small, you know. So what I'm saying is that the kind of habits you embrace, determine the kind of decisions you will make eventually. People are making terrible decisions, messing up their lives and destinies. They are all around us but we're doing nothing about it. Nothing. Meanwhile, that is the agenda of the kingdom. That's why God has called you and I to do something, to restore. Isaiah 42, can you put up verse 21 and 22 for me? Isaiah 42, verse 21 and 22, quickly. Uh, It says, the Lord is well pleased for his righteousness' sake, he will exalt the law and make it honorable. Verse 22 But this is a people robbed, plundered. All of them are snared in holes, and they are hidden in prison houses. They are for prey, and no one delivers. For plunder, and no one says, Restore. Who is going to say, Restore? Who is going to deliver? That's a big question. Who is saying restore in the place of prayer? If we insist that our ambassadorship will be anonymous, we cannot say restore. We cannot say deliver. Yet, many of those things will be happening around us. Yeah. But for someone like a neighbor that Rosemary spoke about in the video that we watched, the the live experience. He will not be who he is today. Today he's a minister, he's a leader in this church, you know, great guy, great family, you know, and all that. Not many people who lived with bad decisions, joined the court groups and all that, survives it. Many of them, like he said, their lives terminated abruptly. But somebody spoke to him. A lot of the time, because we don't even pray for people, our conscience is not steered to talk to them. As an undergrad, I had the opportunity once to just decide to just be praying for certain people. Yeah, just pray for certain people. Very bad boys in the campus and other people, just pray for people. i just pick someone, one, I mean, once in a while and just spend time, pray, pray for them, trust God for them, pray for the school, pray for, you know, different people. There was a particular lady I was kind of praying for. I've, I've noticed that in the class. In fact, I was talking to one of my friends, another believer. I mean, rather than some of our other friends who talk about babes from the point of view of who to date and all that. I was talking to her that, don't you think this lady needs to be saved? She's a good person. She does her job well, you know. We're both in engineering class together, a different department, but we have some general courses that we take together. And as we were talking, the lady walked in and sat not far from me. So I looked at my friend. My friend was like, go and speak to her. You just spoke about it and you've been praying. So I went, moved closer to her, like two seats away, and sat. Hi, what's up? How are you doing? And she answered, you know, initially grudgingly. But I, I kept on smiling. I was like, oh, you know, just wanted to meet you, you know, and all that, my name is so and so. And we started to talk. Fortunately for me that day, the lecturer did not come on time. Eventually, the lecturer did not come at all. So we had spoken for like 30 minutes before they announced that the lecture had been canceled. There was an emergency with the lecturer. And then we all packed up our stuff, and we started to uh, walk away from the lecture theater. And I walked her to the front of our hall of residence, and we talked. And just that 45 minutes to one hour that we spent together, I got to know that she was going through a lot emotionally. As at that time, her her boyfriend was in the old court, and the boy had become very abusive. We collect money from her, sometimes slap her, do this to her. So just somebody willing to listen to her, she told me a lot in a short time. I had no motive to date her or anything like that. But it exposed me to the fact that people around me are going through stuff. So, I invited her to the fellowship. This was like a Tuesday or so. Thursday was her fellowship day. She had no idea I was a pastor of the fellowship. And Thursday she walked into fellowship during praise worship and all that. And later, I was invited to speak. I could see the shock on her face. As far as she was concerned, this was just a good guy, a nice guy. But the nice guy was the pastor. And I guess she was a little more scared because we didn't say anything about gospel the first time. It was just like, you know what? You can be okay. Everything will be all right. Can you come to fellowship? Just fellowship with us. I have great friends, you know. Long story short, I made the altar call. She rededicated her life to Christ. Apparently she had given her life to Christ before. She rededicated her life to Christ. We became very close friends. She became a strong member of the fellowship, became a leader in the fellowship. Today, uh, she and her husband pastors a church in the UK. They're both professionals. And they're also pastors. And sometimes I think about it, if you don't summon courage to jack some people up, God will use other people. But Life is in seasons. And there's a time that, you you know, some of us need to get the gist. When you get a job, it's a posting. You call it a job. That you are in that company. God posted you there. It's a posting. And you need to recognize that. The industry that you have found yourself right now is a posting. Some people, God wants to use you to reach people in the entertainment industry. Rich people in the academia, rich people. So some some people want, I mean, God posted you in a place where you can reach young people or children and make a mark that cannot be erased in their lives from the beginning. That's why you got that job. That's why you are an educationist. There are different postings that God has given us as ambassadors. And we must recognize that. If not, we will misuse our opportunities. Glory be to Jesus. So a Christian cannot achieve fulfillment in the same way and on the same times that a non-Christian can. This is where we have our conflict. Where do we derive our sense of fulfillment from? We want to derive our sense of fulfillment the same way that people who are not fully devoted followers of Jesus derive it. So our focus at work We are not looking at the fact that God is going to rate us, not just based on how effective, in fact, your effectiveness at work is part of being a good ambassador. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Christians should do the best work at work. That gives us a leverage to be able to speak to people. The Industrial Revolution in Europe, was driven by what, was, what is called the protestant work ethic. The, ethic. the work ethic of the protestant Christians during the Industrial Revolution marked them out to the point that people were employing Christians and deliberately giving them time out to pray in the afternoon. But they know that when they get on their job, they do it as if God is watching them in the days where there were no CCTV cameras. Yeah. That was how Christian worked. It drove the industrial revolution in Europe, brought massive revival. We live in a time and age where there's revival, but there's no connection between the spiritual revival and the physical development of our nations and our industries. Because people go there without the consciousness of God and the fact that God is the one sending them there. When you go with that consciousness, you will first of all do a good job and you leverage on that good job to represent heaven by shouting, restore, in the life of somebody. By focusing on how somebody is going to be delivered from this fast lane to hell. You know, there's a way you live your life at work. When you want to speak to somebody, they will listen to you. Everybody wants to associate, associate with Success. You can't be getting bought commendation and somebody's not getting. And you want to speak to the person and they won't listen to you. Am I saying the truth? Yeah? Praise God. Let's wrap this all up. And I'm going to end on this. The passion lie. The fact that people, I mean, this lie that people have believed. And the question is, must I be passionate about it before I get involved? Some people say, I'm not just passionate about so many. I'm not just passionate about people getting saved. Must you be passionate about it before you get involved? 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16 in the Amplified Translation. The Bible says, For if I merely preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about, for I am compelled, that is, absolutely obligated to do it. Woe to me if I do not preach the good news of salvation. Whoa! I mean, I, I was wondering while I was meditating on this, what brings somebody like Apostle Paul to the point where he could say, "Woe to me if I don't pray the gospel. He said necessity is laid on me. Some things are done out of necessity, not necessarily interest. So left to our passion and interest, most of us would never have learned basic grammar or arithmetic when we were younger. Am I saying the truth? I don't know about you, up till last week, while my kids were preparing for exam, one of them still told me, that this. you see this, this basic algebra that you're trying to explain to me, left to me, I'm not interested. I said, you know what, it's not about interest, necessity is laid on you. You have to learn this for you to make progress academically. This is the basic rudiment of arithmetic. You have to learn it. Can you hear me tell your neighbor, say necessity is laid on you. The issue of soul winning is not about whether you are passionate about it or not. Passion will come with time. It's an essential part of Jesus' disciple-making process. He sent his disciples out two by two. He gave them instructions on what to do. It's not something that you can second guess. You can't refuse to learn basic grammar and want to speak good English. It will never happen. Soul winning is a vital part of my spiritual development. When I dodge it, I have dodged a core course on my way to earning a degree. You know, people who dodge courses never graduate. That's why we have many half-baked Christians today, who wants their Christian Christianity only to be a thing of the heart. That was not the original intention of God. We must not be anonymous ambassadors, but ambassadors indeed, in words and in truth. Say amen, somebody. As simple as basic hygiene is, when you are a young person, I mean, when you were, when we were all much younger. You may need encouragement to brush your teeth in the morning or to have a good bath in the morning. Maybe your own children, you know, are different. But my own children sometimes, especially when they were younger, they needed encouragement. Because somebody will come and sit at the breakfast table and say, Have you brushed your teeth? You say, yeah, I forgot. You know, we'll go back. Yeah. As far as they're concerned, it's not important. But as an adult, you know it's important. Now that you are growing in the faith. Certain things also have to occur to you as being an an essential and an important part of your spiritual development. If not, you will not be able to grow beyond a particular point. Until you are bold enough to want to declare the word of God to other people, you can place a limit on your spiritual development. Glory be to Jesus. So, preaching the gospel is not a matter of whim or passion, but of discipline not a matter of whim or passion, it's about discipline. It's about what we have lined up to do. It's about necessity that has been laid on us because God expects us to play our part based on the foreign mission of heaven, the foreign foreign policy of heaven. Glory be to Jesus. So, we preach because we have a mandate. We have a mandate. We have a mandate. We have a mandate. Go ye into the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He that believe and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believe not shall be damned. We don't want them to be damned. Not willing that any will perish, but all will come to repentance. And the nature of the mandate is top urgent, top priorities. Yeah. Evangelism is not what you do with your spare time. It's what you do with your life. Yeah. It's what you do with your life, not with your spare time. It's not when it's convenient. It's as I live. It's just a part of my life. So I'm in my store. And, you know, as I'm going in, I'm praying the Holy Spirit to steer my heart to someone whose soul is ripe for salvation. To steer my heart to see the open ground of somebody's heart where I need to sow a seed. I don't even have to lead the person to salvation. Just sow a seed. The seed will grow. Somebody will harvest it. I hope somebody's getting me this morning. Yeah, I'm getting on a bus to go to work. Somebody's sitting beside me, smiling at me and saying, how are you doing? And then we start a conversation. I need grace to be able to ask that person, is God in your life? Do you know God? What's your concept of God? Do you believe in salvation through the blood of Jesus? Those those are things we should be able to say easily. And until some of us start to do that, you may not be able to experience a kind of growth that you need to experience, so that you can be a stronger and a better Christian. Evangelism is a core course in Jesus disciple making process. Yeah, you cannot keep escaping it and think you are going to become a spiritually mature person. Somebody stay with me this morning. I said, somebody stay with me this morning. Your Christianity is too small if it only exists in your heart is at an, an infancy if it only exists in your heart. Real Christianity grows out of the heart, becomes a part of a life, and bears fruit that other people can pluck from and eat, and receive refreshing for their soul, and become reconciled to Jesus. Say amen, somebody. So the apostles did not have the advantages that we have today. They didn't have Twitter, or Instagram, or Facebook, or WhatsApp, Yet they preach the gospel. You have all those things. And sometimes all you send on WhatsApp is just jokes and skits. You understand? Yeah. Some of those skits are not bad. Keep sending them. But send things also that will make people know that Jesus is alive and well. He wants to save their soul and he has an agenda for their life. Somebody stay with me this morning. Yeah. And may I say this in closing? rather than sending things that create fear in the heart of people, some of us are experts in creating fear where there's no fear. You will not verify something before you send it. This identity of Nigerians as propagandists, we need to change it. Yeah. Somebody write something about someone or about a company. You, don't, you have not verified whether it's true or not. You have sent to all your contacts. If it's your business that you wrote about like that, will you just send it like that? I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah, and we need to be careful. Verify information before you send to all contact. Sometimes those things are baseless, bunch of lies, things that are not true. Are you an agent of lies? The Bible says the devil is the father of all liars. When you peddle lies, you are joining, associating with people who create propaganda. Verify things. Even when they say something is happening on a particular road, try to be sure. Get on the news channel or something before you start sending. Sometimes those things are lies. Sometimes they are real, but I'm saying verify. Especially when it has to do with a brand, with with a human being, where somebody's integrity is at stake, or a brand is about to be destroyed before you join them to destroy the brand. Verify. I hope you understand what I'm saying. But better still, there is a brand that cannot be destroyed. There is something that needs no verification. It has already been thoroughly verified. That Jesus died for sinners, that he rose on the third day, born of Virgin Mary, sent to the world to save the soul of humanity needs no verification. If you are not sending that and sending lies, you need to check yourself. Lift your two hands to Jesus this morning. And just bless him. And will you make a fresh commitment today? Will you make a fresh commitment today? Now that I know it's not about passion, that necessity is laid on me, I receive grace this morning. As I go into this new week, this new month, at the second half of 2018, I want God to use me to transform lives. I want God to use me to be a soul winner. I want a fresh empowerment to open my mouth and challenge people when I need to do it. When somebody pray this morning, Lord, open my eyes to see opportunities to be a blessing this week. Open my eyes to see the opportunity to be a blessing this week. Open my eyes to see the opportunity to be a blessing this week. Use me to change the trajectory of someone's life. Make me like the kind of person you choose. You chose to change Rosy life. Let me be that kind of person. Let me be the kind of neighbor that can rescue a young person. Let me be the kind of business partner that can rescue my partner from destruction. Use me to restore a home, to restore a life. To rescue someone from destructive habits this week by introducing Jesus to them let the message of your kingdom find a place into my heart that it may come out of my mouth And somebody also needs to pray this morning Lord let your word open up to me give me appetite for the scriptures give me appetite for the Bible that as I read this week I will catch revelation. Yeah. Will you talk to God this morning, Lord, I desire a fresh appetite for revelation knowledge. A fresh appetite for revelation knowledge. I desire a fresh appetite for revelation knowledge. I want to be used of you to be a preservative in my environment. You said we are the source of the heart and the light of the world. I want to be salt and light indeed. Help me to salt my organization, to salt and to light my friendships with the knowledge of the gospel. Make me the person that you can depend on to transform the lives of people that you have sent around me. Father, we bless your name. Lord, we bless your name. Lord, we bless Your name. Wave Your hands to Him and just bless Him. Lord, I receive over at this congregation this morning Your grace afresh, that our lives will be lives of impact, that we will not just be focused on our own needs, that will be focused on the need of people around us, especially their need for redemption, their need for salvation. Give us grace to embrace our posting and our calling that indeed we will know that we are ambassadors of heaven on a diplomatic mission. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless your name in the precious name of Jesus. Can, can we all bow down our heads just for a minute as I pray for some people here We need to make a decision this morning. Can I ask that we please little or no movement, please, this is auspicious moment dedicated to praying for people. So please let's, let's, let's keep calm. If you are here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, I want to pray for you. Or maybe you said a prayer before, but you backslid into sin. You may be struggling with all kinds of things, and those things make you feel that God doesn't want you or that God may not accept you. But I want you to know this morning, Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. said, I will give you rest. Your rest is in the hand of Jesus. And I want to encourage you this morning that you let go of your heart and let him pick you up. Let the grace of God transform your life. Somebody may be saying this morning, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. I want to give my life to Jesus. Or oh, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Can I ask that you lift your right hand above your head and let me say prayer with you this morning. Just lift your right hand above your head and let me say prayer with you this morning. You'll never be the same again. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. If you are lifting your hand, I want you to lift it well. I just want to pray for you. I want to, 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 to lead you in a prayer. And God will radically transform your life from this moment. You'll never be the same again. If your hand is up, can you stand by your chair right there? Don't come out. Just stand where you are. Stand where you are. If your hand is up, stand. Stand and let me know that you're joining me in this prayer. Just stand. Thank you for standing. Just stand. Stand where you are. God is going to radically transform your life this season. You will never be the same again. I'm still waiting. Sense in my spirit one or two more people. God is knocking at the door of your heart. Don't resist God this morning. It's just a prayer. So just stand where you are and join in this prayer. and Give God a chance to reach out to you and transform your heart this morning. You don't have to go the way of the wind. God has a better plan for your life. God has a better plan for your life. And he's the only one that can give solutions to the issues that you're going through right now if you allow him. So stand and invite him into your heart and let him take charge with you. So if you're standing, I want you to say this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge this morning that I'm a sinner and I cannot help myself. I consciously invite you into my heart. I ask that you be my Lord and my Savior. Fill my heart with your spirit and give me a new beginning with you. Thank you for accepting me. In the name of Jesus. If you just said a prayer with me, I want you to move to the hall. Our counselors are at the hall. Can you just move to the hall? Uh, uh, Counselors, can we get the attention of everyone? Just move to the hall and just. Just just go with them. It takes courage to make a decision for Jesus. So if anyone just made a decision around you, I wanted to celebrate them. I wanted to celebrate them because it takes courage to make a decision for Jesus. So please celebrate everyone making a decision this morning. Do it a little more. Do it a little more. Do it a little more. Praise God.